And just like that, Irish fans, any dreams, thoughts, hopes we may have had of dancing in March, I think just went away. This is Greg Schaefer, Locked On Irish Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wish I was coming to you guys under better circumstances, but our Irish just completely fell apart down the stretch. Literally just got done watching the game, recording this Thursday episode, Thursday edition on a Wednesday night. Final score is 73-68. We're going to go a full breakdown of the game here. Pretty much going to be the show for today. Basically just a big post-game show. And I got some more transfer news out of South Bend earlier today. Uh, We'll definitely want to talk about that and potential landing spots for this fellow. And, and, I mean, spoiler alert, everybody knows by now, Phil Jerkovic on his way out the door. Um, We'll talk about potential landing spots for him and then also talk about what that means for a very interesting second string battle kind of going to be developing going into spring as well as into the summer and further into fall. And could we also be looking at this same scenario for the loser of that uh, position battle next season? Only time will tell. But make sure, you're again, you're following us at Lockdown Irish Facebook, Twitter, all the right places, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, continue. Just continue listening to us because this show is not going to be all that positive. So... Uh, what else is there to say? Uh, early on, it, everything looked good. I mean, talk about a tale of two halves, uh, completely a tale of two halves. You know, we got out early. Uh, they, they held, you know, it's kind of back and forth early. One of the things I noticed early is it looks like we were going to have some difficulty dealing with the size. Uh, Funderburg and, um, oh, his name's escaping me right now. Um, Bates really seemed to give us some trouble inside uh, real early on. And then it was like we essentially took care of that. I mean, even Mooney had a nice block inside. Gibbs got a nice run out on a two-pointer. Uh, everything's going great. Um, you know, it was a short bench tonight. Rex was out, um, but also C.J. Bryce was out for um, for NC State. Markel Johnson was dealing with back issues. Bates was dealing with some cramping. Uh, Beverly kind of dinged up there for NC State. So everybody's hurt. The whole team's hurt. But really, this game ultimately ended up coming down to depth. I mean, at the end of the day, this really just came down to depth. And I put a lot of this on Bray for not at least getting Njogu involved in this game to some degree. Now we'll get to that here in a little bit. I mean, I want to do want to talk about some of the positives of this game. There's not many at this point because what I think I tweeted it out during that, um, what we did tonight isn't sustainable. You, you just seen it's not sustainable. He ran a six man team that that's what you do down at your local YMCA. You play with six guys. You don't do that at the highest level of college basketball. I know we have some injuries, and uh, and I know we have just a short bench anyway. You know, with Fluger going down, the bone bruise, um, Carmody going down. You know, I know we don't have much right now. I get it. However, you have to figure out a way to get those guys involved, some way, shape, or form. And Jogu has to come off the bench. He, just at least spell a couple guys, you know, I don't understand that thought process of at least not getting him involved when, when the bench looks like it does. And I get it, you know, Morgan, he's a walk-on out there, but it's somebody else that can just give a guy 30 seconds. We've seen toward the end of the game that he was just giving Mooney a break for 30 seconds, you know, 
just to work guys in and out. You can't tell me if these two aren't good enough to at least do what what they did there when they sat Mooney toward the end of the game, then they shouldn't even be on the team, in my opinion. But again, I'm trying to stay as positive as possible here. I, I mean, I had to talk about the the interesting parts of being a part of sports media. You know, it's like I actually I had a we got it by 12 in the second half. Life's good. I got this big plan of how to temper my excitement when I come on this show and talk about having a little winning streak going, a little momentum going into Louisville on Saturday. And now this is, it's, it's a mess. And I don't know if it's going to get any better because Louisville is one of the best teams in the ACC coming into our house. And, uh, we don't have any juice at all. I mean, we better hope that Fluger is good to go. Um, but like I said, a tale of two halves. Uh, Hub's out there shooting from the parking lot, and you know, and everything's going in. We're moving the ball well, uh, but I did you know a couple things I noticed that ended up rearing its head late. Early on, you noticed the difficulty with size inside, how they were taking advantage of some mismatches. You also noticed we were turning the ball over. Uh, you know, five first half turnovers, and that was in the first twelve minutes of the game. We had all five of those. So very uncharacteristic of us, turning the ball over like that. Um, you know, just, we just don't have the physicality, even though there's parts in that game where I was like, we look like the more physical team. We look like the more cohesive, complete team. Because we talked about on the last show how this team has a ton of experience in C-State. These guys, they played together for a while. All the starts that their backcourt had and, you know, all the talent they have in the front court we wondered why this team wasn't any better. And I think we got a good look at why not. I mean, they're really not super athletic. Um, I mean, they had to dig super deep tonight to beat a six-man team, essentially. That's not all that good. I'm sorry, we're not that good right now. Um, We don't have a game-breaker. Mooney's a really nice player, but he's not a one. On any other team, he's he's just not. He's not athletic enough. Um, He's a really good player. He'd be a great two or if you had another John Mooney on the team, but we just don't right now. We just don't. And our legs are are going are given out on us. It's again, it's not sustainable for a season. It wasn't even sustainable for tonight. Um and we, I like what we're doing when we're playing with the zone. I feel like we're rotating relatively well. However, we just still have some just goofy mistakes where the guy in the middle comes out too far and it left Thunderbird open a few times and uh, leaving guys wide open for three. That that should never happen in a zone. Ever Never should happen in a zone. You should never rotate so much that a guy's just standing there, has a cup of coffee, scratches his back, and chucks up a three. That It should just never, ever happen. Uh, you know, a couple, you know, the three things, you know, I, I touched on two of them there was how the size, you know, the size was was a problem. Then it was kind of like, okay, we're giving up these threes. Um, you know, just the openings in the zone, things like that, just really started to rear, kind of rear its ugly head. And, I, you know, it's stuff I just did not like early on. And then it finally happened, the, the drought. The drought happened, and it got me to thinking – I hope this doesn't carry over into the second half because we played so good early on, having a nice little back and forth. Only down by three was the largest deficit we faced. And we had a chance to really just blow this team out. And we, we, did, we, went, we didn't have any field goals the last 254 of the half. That's unacceptable for a team that was hobbled. They looked unorganized. 
They they didn't look as athletic as us, um, despite the fact of being bigger and more physical underneath. They weren't playing that way early. Durham looked like the best big guy on the floor for much of the first half. Um, just we just looked way more complete on offense and just played way more cohesive. The good ball movement, everything that a Bray coach team is supposed to be. We put on display the good attributes, all the positive attributes of a Bray coach team were on display in the first half. Going five of seven from three, TJ Gibbs looking good. Prentice Hub, I mean, looking like a star. I mean, earlier today, we, I think we tweeted it out or put it on the Facebook page. I don't know where we put it about how Hub and uh, um, Gibbs, are they the best tandem in uh, the ACC? Well, clearly not. And But there's there was talk of this. And all this moving the ball around and everything that it could have been was on display. And then you come out in the second half and you actually look, you carry it over a little bit. But again, the short bench just destroyed us. The short bench destroyed us. And it's almost like to a degree, if we're not hitting a three and we're not getting an easy layup, it's like we don't know what to do. It's like we don't have a plan on offense. Is it fatigue? I don't know. But let's get to the second half here. All right, guys, back at it again. Locked on Irish podcast. Going to get to the second half here. Uh, started off on a 6-0 run in the second half. Um, really, I mean, I even made a note here that Prentice Hub's turning into just something special. Um, but then you started to notice it when Bates started getting the blocks. It really, I talked about it uh, when we did the preview of NC State, how um, the team itself, NC State, gets momentum plays. And when I, what I was referring to is 67 blocks on the season coming into tonight and 113 steals. Those are momentum plays. When you can take the ball away, when you can block a shot into the first row, you know, that dejects a shooter. It gets the crowd involved, uh, albeit not a great crowd down there tonight, but it's North Carolina basketball. I mean, it's not the North Carolina, but they love their basketball down there. And they got a little bit of that little brother complex anyway. Um, you know, it was a big win for them. It was going to be a big win for whoever took this one tonight. Uh, and, you know, one of us was going to bump down to the bottom of the ACC and the other one was going to get a major step up because right now I think we're pretty much done. Uh, see, and another thing that NC State's got coming back is they got C.J. Bryce coming back where, you know, we have Fluger coming back, and I think that could help defensively. But I, I just I don't know how much. We need another score. We, we just need another score right now. Um, uh, where to begin? Where to finish off this discussion? Um, you know, Funderburg was just 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 a presence in there. Uh, the second chance points down the stretch was just was just ugly. Yeah, it was just ugly. They were shooting the ball, they were missing, and we had no presence underneath to go and just go get it, go get the ball. Uh, you know, we talk about it all the time in football, where you know, a receiver just has sticky hands and. Uh, you know, Claypool, for instance, when the ball's in the air, he says, that's my ball. We had nobody out there tonight that says, hey, you're shooting my ball. I'm going to go grab it. Um, they got Mooney into foul trouble. Um, you know, again, I'm just very frustrated right now with Bray and the way that he handled this short bench tonight. I don't think it's necessary. I just don't. And the and it, again, it goes back to this whole, this get brings us to the point of the game when F Mooney was in foul trouble and the team is looking gassed that 
you know, he takes Mooney out, and Greenberg's talking about during the telecast, hey, he's going to probably keep him out till the four-minute mark. He's going to keep him out till the four-minute mark. And it was 30 seconds later he comes in. If you're just going to do that to spell, guys, get Njogu involved. He'll get Ryan Humphreys involved. Bray, put yourself on the floor. All right? If that's all you're going to do, grab Father John and put him on the floor for that amount of time. Do something because you don't need an athlete to run around out there and just follow somebody for 30 seconds. If that's all we need to to get guys rested and back in it, in your mind, if that's what all we need. Uh, you know, just uncharacteristic stuff. Foul trouble tonight. The turnovers were just a killer. Um, that, that The foul that Mooney fouled out on, that's a tired foul. That's just a really tired foul. Um, and you could just see the guy's legs. The shots weren't there. I mean, look no further. We started the game five of seven from three. We finished one of ten. And a lot of that does come from we didn't get as healthy of looks. Um, and why not? Because we weren't moving the ball around. We were not moving the ball around like we should have. Uh, Hub pretty much disappeared uh, in the second half. And, and it's just totally mismanaged, in my opinion. Lashevsky was one of five off the bench. I'd be curious to know how many uh, what the bench points were. Let's take a look here. We had three bench points to 16. Um, now, granted, it was all from Thunderburk that we could not handle tonight. Uh, Thunderburk finished four of six. He was eight of 10 from the line. Uh, just found a way to get to the line. Be bigger, stronger, faster than the other guy. More physical. We fouled him. We put him on the line. Uh, you know, Mooney with another double-double. More power to him, man. He's playing his heart and soul out there. 14 points, 14 rebounds. Um, went 7 of 14 from the field. That's all you can ask for. Played 37 minutes tonight. 37 minutes. Hub played 39. Gibbs was out there for all 40 and actually played relatively efficiently. I mean, you guys know I get I get on Gibbs for as many times as he shoots the ball and misses. Went 5 of 9. Oh, oh uh, 3 from 3-point land, though. Um, good one. I feel he didn't have a, his best game by any stretch. Four of nine, nine points, one of two from three. We got to figure out how to get him three-point looks. He can't get them on his own. He's not athletic enough yet. Uh, maybe not the proper technique, but he's. we got to figure something out to get him better. He's a better shooter than that, and we got to figure something out to, to get him involved. It has to happen. I mean, it just does. It, it just has to happen. To, to get him open looks, whether it's better rotations, whether it's better screens, um, whether it's having him maybe bring up the ball and start with the ball and, and pass the ball off screen and go or, or something. We have to figure something out because he's a better shooter than that. Uh, Durham finished the game uh, one of six. Um, not real pleased with that. He definitely did not play as well as he did the last couple games. Only four points on the night. Again, Lashevsky only had the one three, which really at the time was a key three. So, you know, you take those threes and you take those points when momentum needs swung back the other way. And we really needed that shot when he hit it. So it doesn't get any easier from here. As you know, Louisville's looming. Uh, come home. Dig the schedule out here. We got Louisville coming up at home. Then we get have to go on the road to Georgia Tech. We have not played that well there in recent years. And then right back at it against Syracuse. And then going to Tallahassee. Um, we had to have this one tonight. Had to have it. Irish go to 10-5, and 1-3 and three in the ACC. Uh, you know, 
I thought we were going to have to, with the way college basketball is this year and in any year in the ACC, if you can get to 20, 21 wins, you're golden. I don't see 11 wins out there. I don't see 10. I'm not sure that I see eight. Uh, everybody's going to have to stay healthy in order to get there. If we even, if we want to make a run at 18 wins and maybe an NIT, everybody's got to stay healthy and everybody's got to play at the top level. Um, I think we can see that that Syracuse win, it's, I don't know. There's no consistency right now. There's just no consistency consistency. And there's not going to be as long as we're playing this short of a bench and this tired. Um, you know, this team is very talented. We showed tonight that what kind of talent we have that we can go against a team that, you know, has some talent and experience and look like the more experienced team at times. But when you're exhausted and you have nobody to turn to when the shots aren't falling, as in not another John Mooney on the floor or a a better number one, then you're going to get results like tonight. And that's that's what it's going to be. Now, I do think we match up relatively well from a familiarity standpoint with Louisville. Um, Not to say I think we're going to win that game by any stretch of the imagination. I think we can be competitive, especially if Fluger's back, but it's going to, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take one hell of an effort to come back on Saturday and and give Louisville a game, even though I think we can. And I think you're going to see a lot of games like that this year. That's kind of what I said after the Syracuse game. I said, I think we're going to be in for a lot of these. I just didn't see us getting a 12 point lead against a ouchy NC state and then lose like that. It gives me little hope because I don't think that team's that good. I'm sorry, I don't. I, I really don't think that team's that good. Maybe with C.J. Price back, maybe uh, C.J. Bryce. I apologize. Maybe that, you know, maybe that I would see something different. And you know, Kevin Keats, he's fine, I guess. He can keep his ass off the floor. And what's up with that, by the way? I mean, there is a coaching box for a reason, right? Had Bray have done that, what he, what Keats did tonight, he would have been teed up and probably chucked out because he spent. I mean, it reminded me of Pete Carroll spending all of his time on the numbers on the field. I just wanted to be like, get off the field, Pete Carroll. Get off the court, Keats. Completely ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. Little home cook in there. Yeah, I'll call it out. I mean, I'm, I don't think it made a difference in the game. It was just more it was just more annoying, if I'm being honest with you. So um, but that pretty much puts a bow on that. We'll do our Louisville preview. You're probably listening to this on a Thursday or on Thursday. Um, being recorded on Wednesday night. So we'll do our, let's talk like it is Thursday. Um, We'll do Louisville preview tomorrow. So big transfer today out of South Bend. As I said in the teaser there, big transfer out of South Bend. Phil Jerkovic on his way out, entering the transfer, 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 transfer portal. Uh, Not a big shock, I don't think. Uh, to anybody. I know I'm not really all that shocked by it. Uh, with Book coming back, uh, pretty much a foregone conclusion, he'll be the starter. I mean, it would take the ghosts of Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning-like effort to uh, knock out Book at this point after what Book's done in the last couple seasons. Plus, you know how Kelly is kind of with upperclassmen. Sometimes he seems to fall in love with certain guys, and you know, uh, he just you just didn't really see if he didn't see it in practice to this point and books coming back. I don't know what it would take to knock book out of that position. So Jerkovic on his way out, that makes, um, Brendan Clark automatically number two at the moment. However, Drew Pine is early enrollee. So the spring just got interesting because had Pine been coming in during fall camp during the summer, 
Uh, not an early enrollee, in other words. I say, oh, Brendan Clark's clearly the number two. We move on. There's going to be a competition for this number two, and they're both going to play in the spring game, and it's going to get real interesting real quick. Um, and what I talked about as I opened the show is what happens. Book's going to graduate. I get that. If Pine or Clark win the number two spot, and Buckner, I'm sure, is going to be an early enrollee next year. Could we be talking about a Clark or Pine transfer this time next year? I don't know. I, I think we could be. And I know that there's only two, and it probably, probably to Jerkovic it seemed like overload, and he waited his turn, and one of these two guys wouldn't be waiting their turn. But I, I could see it. The way college football is in 2019 um, – I could definitely see it. Guys want to play right away. Look look no further than Justin Fields. Fields would be playing next season. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Georgia, and we're going to kind of circle it back to how it has to do with Notre Dame in just a second. But I'm just real interested to see. It's going to be a fun number two battle. This is the most interesting interested I've been in a backup quarterback battle and maybe ever because this is really important to our the future of the team, who's kind of got that one up for when Book goes because this is it. Fifth year for Book. Book's done after this year. He's gone. There's no coming back. No coming back unless he gets an injury less than three games, decides to come back, which that would be dumb on his part probably. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that he's pro-ready or if he'll ever be pro-ready. But, I mean, there's always that possibility. However, um, the way I see it, as of right now, there are no injury injuries to speak of. So, Book's going to play this season and then – the successor is going to be one of these three because Jerkovic's gone. And, and it is sad because Jerkovic was one of the best high school prospects that we, we've brought in. And, you know, Coach Kelly said he's one of the best he'd ever seen. And he's going to basically finish his career at Notre Dame 12 of 17, 222 yards and two touchdowns, uh, 139 yards rushing. Um, nice size, six foot four, 227. Uh, not only was he a good drop back passer coming out of high school, but he also had some had some wheels on him. He wasn't just your traditional. Um, he didn't look like Jake Fromm or Jake Eason uh, or Eason back there. Um, man, it, it, this is. I understand why he left. I do, but it's a tough loss anytime you see something like this. But you know, Jerkovic was going to have basically two years left. And maybe one. If he got into more than four games this year, he would only had one left. Well, he only played in two his freshman year, so he still had that to redshirt. I always forget about the new redshirt rules, which are nice to have. But, yeah, I mean, he he clearly just wants to play right away, and I think he sees the writing on the wall that Book's hand, hands down going to be the starter, and it's going to take an injury or just a full-on implosion, which I don't see. With the talent of this team coming back and with – the schedule, the way it sets up, I think the schedule next year is terrible, by the way. With all the, you know, if we played this schedule this year, it's probably pretty tough. However, next year, these teams lose so much. I can't wait to preview some of these games and this schedule next year. These teams just lose so much that uh, I think I think 12-0 and 0 is extremely possible, and I'm not the most optimistic of people that cover Notre Dame. Um, in fact, I'm probably too far on the other side, and I know uh, – co-host Mark Hissom there always gives me some crap for being kind of too far on the other side but next year I think 12-0 is definitely a possibility even with Clemson on the schedule we just bring back so much talent that I think 100% think it's out there anything can happen in college football and we get Clemson at home 
So, but back to the transfers. Um, so what, as I said earlier, I'll talk about Georgia for just a second. So I'm coming home from work tonight, my real job, and listening to ESPN radio, and I hear um, Hudson Mason covers Georgia. He used to play quarterback for him on there as a guest, and Jake Fromm declared he's going pro today. And, you know, of course, the hot-button topic is outside of – the hot-button talk, topic for Notre Dame fans is Phil Jerkovic's transferring, okay? Secondarily to that would be, where is he going? And they talked about after Fromm's leaving, what do they have left? They got a nice quarterback but unproven left on the roster. Then they got a really nice four-star guy out of Michigan coming in, um, coming in this season, uh, obviously be a true freshman. Actually, you know what? I got those mixed up. Uh, Dwan Mathis is the one from Michigan. He's already on the roster. Um, coming off brain surgery, though. That's what I was getting at. And then you got Carson Beck, who is coming in. He's the 2020 four-star recruit who's coming in. Uh, Mathis was um, 2019 class. But uh, the question was asked to Hudson, um, where do they turn? What's the plan now that Fromm's gone? And, you know, we have another signing day coming up very soon. And Hudson said, well, I think they're, I think what they were going to lean to is very likely the transfer portal. And could it be that Jerkovic ends up in Georgia? That would be a heck of a turn of events. Um, he also added how, you know, Kirby doesn't do well with um, dual threat quarterbacks and how to utilize them. And I mean, look no further than how he handled the um, Justin Fields situation. I mean, Justin Fields should have been on that team ready to start next season, and he's at Ohio State just balling out and probably sh- probably should have been starting over Fromm by the way things looked. I mean, the way that Fields played and then Fromm played, because a hot name, the reason I say that is a hot name on the transfer market right now is a Jamie Newman from Wake Forest. Really nice dual threat quarterback, and they talked about how that might be a fit, but also was discussed how they just acted like they didn't even know how to use uh, a, a non-traditional just drop back passer, a dual threat quarterback. They just act like they couldn't figure out what to do with Justin Fields. And Newman is very much a dual threat guy. And I know Jerkovic has the dual threat, but he is more of that drop back passer. Could we see him end up there? I don't know. Another interesting spot was uh, Minnesota. You know, Mike Sanford Jr. is now the offensive coordinator at Minnesota, former OC uh, for Notre Dame, and he is the one that actually recruited uh, Jerkovic and got him to sign with Notre Dame. So that's definitely a possibility. Um, Midwest-ish school, I know North, but they don't play the Midwest schedule. Uh, P.J. Fleck, young, energetic guy. Go play with the guy that – play for the guy that recruited you initially – um, I'm de- I definitely read that out there a little bit. And then my own personal one that I threw out is Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, Riley didn't get the Cowboys job. Seems like he's probably, I don't think, there's only one NFL job left because I know Riley's name constantly comes up with the NFL. Um, yeah, I mean, he's shown so far he doesn't want to develop a quarterback. He's just picking off all-stars off other teams. Uh, I definitely could see that. I'm not sure if that's his style. I could see Jamie Newman ended up at Oklahoma. Definitely. Definitely could see that. But, you know, Jerkovic wouldn't be a bad one. KJ Costello maybe head out there to Oklahoma. But I, that's my top three for Jerkovic. I mean, he there's a reason he was a five-star five guy and, and rated as high as he was. It wasn't to come to Notre Dame and then go to 
uh, freaking Akron or OU or Middle Tennessee or Ball State. No, he's come to Notre Dame, wanted to play, found out it wasn't, it wasn't going to work out for him in his future to play when he wants to. So I look, for, he's going to end up at another big program, and I, I think that's your leading candidates, Georgia, Minnesota, Oklahoma. So, all right, guys, that's the show for today. That's it for Locked On Irish for a Thursday. Hopefully tomorrow we'll be a little more optimistic, but it's the Louisville preview, so hard telling. We'll also get to some NFL talk because the playoffs are this weekend, one of the funnest weekends in all of football, for especially the pros. I I love divisional weekend. you got two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, and it gets intense at this point in time. If it wasn't intense as intense enough last weekend, we ramp it up 10 more notches this weekend. So remember, Locked on Irish Facebook, Twitter, all the apps that you listen to your podcasts on. Check us out. We will see you tomorrow. And until then, go Irish.